Welcome one, welcome all, welcome to another episode of Fan Team Radio. I am your host, Shyam Khan, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Odi Odorizzi. Today we're breaking down Netherlands 2023 at Zandvoort. Uh, we'll talk about how the rain helped and hurt teams across the grid and expose flaws in Mercedes, Ferrari, and McLaren's tire strategies. We'll talk about Liam Lawson's impressive first outing and how Alonso used his experience to help him get back on the podium. Chris, what's up? Hey, Sean. Yeah, sometimes I feel like uh, I'm right here back in L.A. As soon as a little bit of rain starts falling on the track, everyone starts driving like crazy, and no one can sort of seem to figure out what they're doing. And it kind of, uh, it always baffles me that when these little things happen, these professional teams just sort of seem to not know exactly what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, when it's a dry, nice day, everyone looks somewhat swell but as soon as the rain starts coming down it exposes um you know the the little details that that everyone seems to miss so we'll we'll get into that today so chris uh let's uh let's hop into it what were your thoughts on the weather and how it affected uh today's grid yeah i mean the the rain started almost immediately and we talked a little bit right before this podcast about how it just wasn't a team that maybe could have gambled starting on a, a wet tire which was you brought that up point and I didn't even really think about it until that moment, but the rain was like pelting down by the time they were at the first few turns. So that sort of seems like someone had to have known, right? They have all the sophisticated technology have the radar. They probably have people standing like off in the distance, figuring out where it's going to rain. Apple weather. It's on every single phone. Yeah. So like, it just baffles me that no one a took that gamble. Like obviously you have to make that call a little bit, earlier during the formation lap and all that kind of stuff, but still they knew the rain was coming. And, uh, but still, even, even though nobody made that gamble, it still was like Prez was the first to pit. I'm actually surprised that they didn't pit Max first. Maybe they wanted to see how it goes, but Max could have easily lost tons of places, hydroplane slid off, whatever. But I was expecting everybody just to slam into the pits at the same time. And then we just have people doing all these crazy tire strategies that make no sense. Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of shocked. We looked to have like a really good start to the race in terms of, you know, we had uh, Lando up there. We had Albon in P4, Alonzo in P5. And it kind of looked like we were going to have this new shakeup that we haven't had in a while. And then the rain just came down and threw, threw, threw a bomb. Yeah. Yeah, I I was actually super uh, surprised that, you know, none of the, you know, back of the grid teams like Alfa Romeo and and Williams uh, or Logan Sargent, at least, decided to go with the interest to start the race. You know, you don't really have a whole lot to lose knowing that at some point there is going to be some rain. The fact that they didn't forecast that the weather was going to come in in lap one, two, really does surprise me i feel like our weather technology is sophisticated enough to at least pick up on on that um you know if you know retrospect is is is, you know you can get a lot of value in retrospect in retrospect i would think that some of those bottom teams would start with inters uh because after uh lap two if you take another look at the, the the grid lineup the bottom third of all those drivers including perez due to his pit stop were all switching on to inters and by lap three, lap four, you had Zhou Guan Yu up in P4, Gasly up in P5, 
So it was only a matter of laps before, you know, George Russell was, uh, you know, getting overtaken by Perez and and everyone who decided to stay with the soft tires was just getting lapped. Um, Hamilton started on medium tires, which I still am trying to figure out what happened. Uh, but I guess that <laughs> leads into I guess that leads into uh, um, our next you know topic pretty, pretty seamlessly. So the weather was, you know, taken advantage of by. Alonzo and Red Bull, uh, you know, objectively, but certain teams seemed like they just didn't have the strategy on hand as it was needed and executed on time to get their drivers into an advantageous position. And those three teams that stick out to me were Mercedes, McLaren, and Ferrari. Chris, what were your thoughts on those three teams' tire strategies? Did you think that had they pitted one or two laps earlier alongside Perez that maybe those teams would be in, uh, you know, near the top of the podium? Or do you think that irregardless of what happened, um, you know, uh, Red Bull and, and, and uh, Alonzo were able, were going to, no matter what, just dominate? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think like, listen, as soon as the rain comes, starts pelting down, you either have to like, with how bunched up the pack is going to be at in the early of the race, you got to throw someone in the pits if you're going to make the tire change. Otherwise, you're double stacking and things of that nature. So, and staying out on a wet track, especially a heavily wet track on soft tires, you're going to lose an insane amount of lap time. I don't like on lap two, there was like a shot after Perez had dived into the pits where like Max and all these guys are like going around the track and they just look like they're absolutely crawling. And you're going to lose so much time. So I, it's it's so shocking to me that some of these teams decided to do a third lap and just kind of hang it out. Like maybe they thought like Zandvoort dries out real quick and all this, uh, and maybe we can just weather the storm. And then these guys are going to have to pit off enters and we'll just stay on the sauce, but they're losing over a pit stops worth of time, just staying out on soft. So the pit is negated. So just put them on, put them on the enters and get them out there. So yeah, I don't know what Mercedes and McLaren were thinking. Like, McLaren did an extra lap on the softs. M- Mercedes with Russell didn't pit till lap four. Um, and that's why all of a sudden his quote-unquote forecasted podium uh, <laughs> slipped beneath his fingers, by the way. A lot of weather puns today. A lot of weather puns. I just can't. I can't hang with him sometimes. But, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, yeah. like. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think. um Mercedes and uh, McLaren suffered from being trigger shy uh, for this race, whereas Ferrari pulled a gun on themselves as as they do every week. So, you know, Ferrari wasn't even ready for the, the inters <laughs> to, to 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 change, and 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 it was embarrassment of, of of blunders to see them kind of just squander away what I thought was a great race for signs. I thought he was, you know, at the end of the race, he held Lewis Hamilton back across two laps to, to get in. I believe that he came in at P five. Yeah. P five. Yeah. P five. Yeah. So, you know, and then Leclerc, you know, the saddest man on the grid ended up having to retire his car, uh, due to, uh, front, uh, the front wing damage that ultimately went underneath his car and damaged his car and just kind of got him out. It's, um, Look, like, you know, Mercedes and McLaren, this is a make the decision at the right time problem, whereas Ferrari is operational problems, which is, 
you you know whether it's raining or it's not they seem to succumb to the same issues week over week i i can't like go back to your point about ferrari not being ready it's just one of those things that you just keep looking when it's happening and even though you know that this team is a giant disaster this keeps happening you just have like a jaw to the ground and you're like there's rain coming down we know what's going on. How do you not have these inters in handed ready to go? These guys are just fumbling over themselves, like trying to bring the tires out. I just these. Guys I, wonder, do... I wonder where the accountability is too. Like you know, when something goes you know wayside with Mercedes or McLaren, you know you'll see Zach come in and say something, or Toto be like you know really vocal about it, and and you know even Toto went on to Instagram and posted. Uh, the fact that they, you know they had a mis- that they you know they they miscalculated their stops, so at least there's some sort of public accountability that that the teams and the leaders there you know are show when when they do make a mistake like this. With Ferrari, man, I I've tried to scour through a lot of different articles, all third party articles talking about Ferrari, but nothing from Ferrari taking accountability onto themselves, and it leads me to believe like. Maybe it's the homogenous nature of everyone that Ferrari tends to hire that is now kind of biting them in the butt. You know, you have all these other programs, Williams especially, where they have, they're able to poach different kinds of talent from different teams or even from lower formulas, but they're an amalgam of different talents and different people that you know, are able to share and, and contradict each other to get their team in in a fighting position. Whereas I feel like Ferrari, it's all in a in an echo chamber and everyone is either agreeing against the 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 waves or they're disagreeing on the same things altogether. And that might seem well and great on paper. You know, you want a team to be fully, you know, on board with everything. But I think they're lacking the accountability or maybe the they're they're just scared. Right. So uh, I think, you know, after watching Ferrari for a couple of years now and seeing what they look like in a decent position, they are essentially in a place where I think culture is affecting them above anything else. And we've talked about culture and team cultures a lot on the show, Chris, in terms of, you know, what to expect from something like Red Bull, what to expect from something like Mercedes, you know, even now with with Aston Martin, what what to expect, you know, um, from them and you know we saw examples of this right chris when when um uh i forgot what, what's his face um was heading up williams Who who's their last team principal he, I, yes yes Wait. yeah 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 uh joss like he wasn't able to instill like a culture that people could buy buy into so you know he was in and out real quickly um I think James Val, you know, now in that position is able to start creating a culture very similar to Mercedes, but unique in its own way. And I think, you know, just going back to it, it is the culture of the team that I think is exposed more than anything else in situations like this. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think we've talked before about Ferrari's sort of like institution. And I think that that's really biting them in the butt, as you said, like they don't take accountability. They have to, you know, always have an outward perception of perfection. Their cars are perfect. Their company is perfect. Their image is perfect. And so if something goes wrong, it's like not Ferrari's fault. 
it's an external thing, a different thing that's going on. So, and like you said, I think a lot of these teams are exposing their culture. And I think someone like James is showing how culture can change a team dynamic very quickly. James has come in. He's been very transparent with Williams. He talks a lot about things that other teams wouldn't divulge. Like he, he's, he's been very vocal and transparent about like what happened with Logan's car and what's happened in other races. And most teams would keep a lot of that close to the chest, but James is doing a really good job at making shifts and allowing people to just like step up and empowering people to actually take charge and do these kind of things. And so, yeah, like th- these kind of races like really show people's weaknesses and strengths. And I think, uh, you know, the people with good experience, good decision-making abilities, people quick to think like, you know, Alonzo really experienced driver and all that quick to think and, you know, put them up, put them up there. So I, I definitely think that we have, uh, I, I do have two two more just thoughts on this. So going back to the homogenous kind of culture of Ferrari, I think a good example that shows, you know, where impact is had is someone who's outside of that circle, Carlos Sainz, you know, a Spaniard vocal knows, you know, has the conviction in his racing abilities and the decision making abilities out there to say something. Whereas, you know, I think Leclerc, as, as, as talented as he is, he is a company man, you know, and I think Ferrari just wants a unit of company men and and, and possibly women. But, you know, it seems like uh, that's just kind of a subterfuge they're just stuck in. And the second point I wanted to make is you see James Valls and Mike Crack not just take their expertise to these other teams, but also take that culture that they know, you know, fortified Mercedes and try to put, you know, use that as like their, their, their foundation to build on and find their unique uh, kind of brand. Right. I am curious to see, you know, right now, no one wants to re- leave Red Bull. They're the top of the pack. They're doing great. You know, it's going to take a lot of money above way above market value for smaller teams to poach away any Red Bull uh, talent. But I feel like if Red Bull goes down a similar kind of legacy period that the Mercedes just had of like year over year of success, then at a certain point, these talents, you know, in the engineering departments and and, and other parts of Red Bull, they're going to start finding more, you know, attractive uh, offers that that aren't so high above market value. So I think when that happens, I'd be curious to see what some of those cultures start looking like, you know, like, Let's say, you know, if someone from Red Bull right now were to go over to to um, to Alpine, you know, I'd be curious to see if the entire trajectory of Alpine's organization starts to resemble a lot of what worked for Red Bull. Um, so it's just, you know, speculation right now. But like like I mentioned several episodes ago, episodes ago when um, James Allison was was reinstated as the the Mercedes uh, uh uh, tech principle, okay. essentially, you know, like now we're seeing, you know, we're starting to see how they're starting to pivot, even though the pivot is a bit slower than most Mercedes fans want. Uh, you know, we're starting to see the 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 kind of uh, the upgrades that that come along with the shift in leadership. Okay. So, you know, just something to think about when when we start seeing, you know, eventually talents at Red Bull also starting to 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 go into smaller teams. My one my one top off to that real quick will just be. Actually, I, I haven't heard the latest on this lately, but I hope we get to see Matia at Alpine or a, a, in another team because it would be really good to see someone 
who was leading the Ferrari charge and not able to blossom, see what they're like in a different team. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, Chris. Yeah. So I like seeing the yeah seeing the other side of the coin on that one. That that's a really good yeah. I'd be curious un- to see that. Too. Unleashing his talent and seeing what he can actually do would be pretty cool. Yeah. No. Um. Great thoughts there. All right. Let's uh. Let's let's pivot to to something more exciting. This is this is actually something that I, I was paying attention to pretty much the whole race was Liam Lawson. Um. Kid came in, did his thing. You know, beat out Yuki Sonoda. Um, he did it under duress in terms of, you know, the, not just the weather, but the amount of time that he had to prepare with Daniel's uh, injury. Give me your thoughts. Talk to me about, about Liam, Chris. By the way, did you randomly see the, uh, Max Verstappen when he took the camera away from McLaren? Uh, it was like recording on their social media. He did this little thing where he like pointed it at different drivers. He was and Max, like stole the show and he interviewed Liam Lawson for a moment and said like hey you ready for the race you excited about this and you could totally visibly see liam was nervous as shit like he was scared there's a little anxiety you could tell he was like oh my god i'm about to be in my first f1 race and it's wet and all this stuff like liam super impressed me uh you know most rookies put it in the wall especially if it's wet and i think i think i read somewhere this was liam's first time to ever be on an inter tire ever like he is yeah. so the fact that he comes in, keeps it on track in probably one of the most difficult races that you could do because Zanfort's a difficult track. There's a lot of banking turns, and then you go from you know dry to wet to dry to wet. But and keep it on and not only do that, but you know, perform better from the very back of the grid than a three-year experienced driver in the team. Like insanely impressive. Uh you know, I, I can't wait to see more of him and see what he can do after he feels a little bit more comfortable in the car. Yeah, you know, showing signs of our hero, Nick DeVries, you know, just like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm not, yeah, not yeah. Kidding, Liam. Uh, but yeah, I think an incredible race. You know, he was at times back in P15, which was expected. You know, uh, the sergeant was out, Russell was out, Leclerc was out. So that did definitely help him get uh, up a, a little bit in the standings. But if you break it down, man, the kid... I, I, I think at one point he was up in P10, you know, P11, you know, fighting for points. Uh, and he beat out, like I said, uh, you know, Kevin Magnuson fair and square. He beat out Yuki Tsunoda fair and square. He beat out your boy Valtteri fair and square. And, and, and it wasn't by like just a couple of microseconds. He, his difference against Kevin K mag was damn near five seconds, six seconds. It's, I mean, if, if that's look, you know, I, I made the joke about uh, about Nick, but I think you know we're still need to see a little bit more from Liam uh, to to really get the conviction behind him. But you know he's been driving, he's been doing the supercar series out in Japan. Obviously, that's been helping you know keep his uh, sword sharp. Uh, and I think he also brings with him a sense of maybe likability, you know, like that that Nick was missing. Uh, and a sense of likability that maybe Logan hasn't really tapped into just because he's been so stressed. Right. But I think if if Liam keeps his foot on the pedal and and has a, a really great showing um, uh, in a dry race, especially, you know, I think he solidifies himself in in that AlphaTauri seat more so than Daniel. I think, unfortunately for Daniel, you know, he came in, broke his hand, and immediately had to come out. I think. 
Liam's just going to take that, those lemons and make, you know, lemonade out of it. And, and so I have high hopes for him. Um, I do, you know, want to temper that a little bit with what, you know, what we saw from Nick and, and, and make sure that we don't put so much expectations on a rookie that that's outlandish and maybe not, you know, uh, appropriate, uh, but definitely something to, that excited me watching this entire race is seeing Liam come in and just absolutely um, perform way above, you know, you know, uh, above his weight class, I guess. Yeah. Uh, any, any other thoughts on, on Liam? Do you think that he, he is going to be a viable D2 now, you know, I guess a better way to ask that is how long does he need to persist in this kind of successful way to convince Helmut Marco and and the entire leadership there to to pivot to him as opposed to bringing Daniel back. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing because like Alfatari has a really um, unique opportunity here, right? Like they had Nick, they decided to get rid of him for Daniel, and Daniel kind of came out was immediately started to at least show, and then has this unfortunate accident. But here's this guy that has been in the Red Bull Junior program and. Uh, he gets this opportunity. So now they get to sort of see him perform uh, over a couple of races. I'm not sure how long Daniel's recovery is expected to take, but it's definitely going to be an interesting decision for guys like Helmut Marco. If what happens if Liam performs in Monza and then continues to perform, perform to the next race, if Daniel's not ready, do they make the switch back to Daniel? Um, I'm not sure what his contract says, but you know, maybe, they do give this kid a shot. I mean, Daniel, you know, he's already kind of past his prime from an age perspective, from a performance perspective. And they got this young junior coming in that if he's going to show performance, maybe they put him in the seat. So like, I think only time will tell, but it's definitely a great start. I mean, Nick kind of had the same thing and then never capitalized, but I, I, I see a lot more potential in Liam than I did Nick. And as much as I love Danny Rick, um, he kind of just sort of seems to have a series of bad luck, some that he brings upon himself and some just by accident. But um, if Liam keeps performing, I don't know if they, if they'll go back to Danny, but we'll see. Another thing to consider is you don't want to be in a Alpine Oscar Piastri situation where other teams get a whiff of your young talent and then they start doing backdoor deals, you know, with agents and with managers to, you know, slight you out. I think Red Bull is is shrewd enough of an organization to 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 appreciate that as well. You know, now yeah, you've shown your young driver off to the world, but until you contractually wrap him up, you know, another uh uh team could come in and 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 fuck around, you know, and and find out. So that's that's another thing that I, you know, it's all it's all exciting for for Liam Lawson right now. I think I think he just needs to keep his temper going the the the, the right way, keep it even keeled and really show his stuff uh, on a, on a race that's not heavily impacted with rain on the other side of that though, maybe on a, on a regular race day with dry racing conditions and ideal racing conditions, some of those other racers are going to be able to show their stuff off too. So there, there is that balance that I really do need to see a little bit more of to, to just really make that full conviction that, uh, that Liam is going to be the D2 driver. I still think that Danny has, uh, a little bit of uh, of room to to come in and and really you know establishes himself as a D two driver. I believe he was seeing the same surgeon for his hand that Lance Stroll saw, and I think Lance came back 
in in a matter of a, a week or a week and a half to to yes. race again. So so you know, hoping is nothing too serious. Uh, you know, definitely want to see Daniel Rick do do a l- couple more races at least to see. You know, it, uh, I'm just curious to see what what his potential is. You know, wait, hold uh, up here, hold up here. Does Yuki have a signed contract for next year? Because maybe we have uh, a maybe we have a Danny Rickley and Watson situation going on here. If uh, I mean that, that I mean then, <laughs> then if you pull on that string, then that assumes that. They're not going to just let Yuki go. I think Yuki's been performing very well in a substandard car, um, and they really have no reason to let go of Checo. As much as the narrative is saying, like, "Hey, like, we'll find another driver," Checo's still number two in the point standings. You know, he doesn't. Uh, there's no contention between him and and Max really. Uh, you know, he's staving off drivers, uh, so he's not. You know, ruining the car every weekend. So, I, I mean, for for all intents and purposes at the moment, Checo seems to be doing the job fine. Uh, whether they're going to let Yuki kind of come in and, and if, if there's enough, if there's enough upside to bring him in to, to kind of mess with that, with that equation, that's left to be seen. Um, well, but I'll, I, I'll make my statement that Zuki, I, I, I think Yuki has a 0% chance of ever sitting in a Red Bull seat. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but, his temper, his attitude, and, uh, you know, the Red Bull car is a lot more oversteery than the Alphatari. I think Yuki will crash it more often, and I just don't think Max and his organization will put up with someone's attitude like Yuki. I don't, you know, I haven't heard him screaming on the radio as much as he used to, but uh, like I don't think said, Yuki, I don't think Yuki will make a peep if he gets into the Red Bull car. I don't think he will open his mouth one bit other than saying, <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good. Or thank staying you. silent. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, because because yeah, you don't go into a, a Christian Horner Helmet Marco team thinking that you know even even Max doesn't talk. He talks back to Giancarlo, but like that that's about it. Uh, he doesn't talk back to anyone else. It's just again the culture of that team is such that you don't really talk back. Uh, you know, even as like a three-time world champ, and and if Yuki sees that, I think he'll sure enough just fall in line. Um, I don't like, you know, I mentioned this episodes ago. I don't think Danny Rick is going to be realistically in that Red Bull driver's seat as much as people want to entertain it and kind of a cool thing to do. I just don't think it's in the cards for him anymore. Uh, I definitely do think he's a really souped up like placeholder uh, with a, you know, a glorified placeholder for, for lack of better words. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately his time in F1, I think is running short, but, Agreed. If Julian Palmer, you know, can come in and be like a commentator and only raced what, like 13 races or something or 30 races in his career, Danny Rick can come in and, and, and fill in, you know, a position like that really easily and, and really, you know, be the, 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 the star for like a broadcasting company that wants to, you know, get into the F1 uh, realm. Uh, some someone like ESPN even you know so so the the future is still bright for Danny Ricardo I just don't think it's going to be in an F1 car agreed all right so let's let's go and and talk about the old man on track uh Fernando Alonso uh you know just unbelievable drive today he at a certain point was uh you know coming creeping up on Max for the P1 position I think he was only like maybe like 0. 0.7 0. 0.6 seconds back at, at, you know towards the end of the race of of Max uh Max obviously pulled away but just goes to show that you know 
the experience that that uh fernando has you know just under his belt when it comes to rain situations to make preemptive calls you know on the fly that those were all on display uh this weekend and and you know the man put put in the fastest lap at 113837 uh and did it almost towards the end of the race it, you know it just shows that he has so much bandwidth especially when other drivers are under such pressure and duress um really impressive stuff what do you think about fernando's race uh this weekend yeah i'm not gonna lie i uh kind of forgot a little bit about him uh before the race started just because we've had such a resurgence with mclaren uh there's been a lot of talk around williams and uh you know we had alvin alex alvin and p4 and you know alonzo had his string of podiums and sort of missed out a couple races and i was just not even thinking of Aston Martin that much. And Lance Stroll doesn't do anything to sort of help that image. So I, mean, I was trying to go play in Wimbledon. So <laughs> can't blame him too much. Yeah, totally. But yeah. So at the start of the race, all of a sudden Fernando's like slotting up into, you know, P3 and P2. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, where was Fernando? And yeah, man, the guy just performed. He was a monster. And um, at the end of the race, like you mentioned, I actually think he could have taken a dive on Max, but I think uh, he didn't want to risk the taking them both out. And I, but I think there's potential. But he was creeping up on his gearbox there, and I thought maybe he was going to take that chance. Um, it was a lot closer than I thought he was. So ultimately, just all around, like you said, the experience of this guy, um, you know, the most experienced guy on the track. He's a champion, and he showed it today. Just being able to super outclass all these guys and he like honestly he just deserves to be on the podium and i'm super happy to watch this guy um stand on the podium week after week and i hope that hope he can creep up there maybe even pass checko for p2 hopefully by the end of the year <laughs> yeah just outstanding stuff you know he he earned every bit of it uh and you know max says that the weather didn't make it easy on them but i think he could expand that to say the weather and Fernando didn't make it easy on us today. So great stuff from Fernando. Uh, let's pivot to, to, to our winners of the week. Uh, so obviously Alonzo is going to be on both of our dockets. Who else do you got, Chris? Yeah. I mean, like, I know we're going to talk about this week after week, uh, probably ad nauseum, but Max, I mean, Max uh, just continually shows like in all conditions, wet, dry, changing of, tires all this stuff like every condition he's just a robot and and he's able to basically make no mistakes um and you know he he maxed matched seb's record and i constantly like, he made the race exciting for me because i was like biting my teeth the whole race that he was gonna hydroplane or someone would crash into him or just some random uh actually when the when the red flag came out at the end and they were gonna do the restart i was just like don't have reliability problems, don't have any issues, although I don't really want to see him get a win just by race classification at the end. But uh, yeah, this guy's just performing like a monster. And, uh, you know, the last person I'll put up there is just Gasly. Like, um, he he kept it up there, like strong showing from him this week. And yeah, he got a little bit lucky with the, the Checos penalty from speeding in the pit lane, which was from hydroplaning. It wasn't even his fault. The hydroplane was too fast over the line, then hit the wall. And unfortunately that just gave him a five second penalty. Them's the rules. So, but I don't know if you, the difference between Max taking nine wins in a row, which is he, him and Seb are the only two to ever done it. And he's like, Oh yeah, 
What a lovely race that was. And then Gasly's yeah. It's just the beauty a, of F1, man. It starts yeah. the nuances, you know, like you can appreciate where every driver is within each team and where each team is. And it's just not something that you get so full frontal in, in, in a lot of American team sports and in even like in soccer, you know, like um, when when the it's usually when the underdog wins, you know, people are like up in hoorah. I guess March Madness has a lot of that. Right. Yep. But yeah, in a lot of American sports, you know, you don't really get to see what does, uh, you know, a dynasty celebration look like as opposed to like a single off, you know, to see like what that means to each team is, is kind of lost. So yeah, I totally agree with you. I have Gasly on my winner circle as well. Uh, you know, just very conservative race, uh, in the best ways possible, given that, you know, a lot could have gone wrong. He, you know, stacked up really well against Esteban who had that really funny, uh, comment about being on full wets, uh, when everyone else was on inners. Uh, but yeah, I think like, look, Gasly uh, is making a name for himself in certain ways within that organization to potentially become D one just based on his performance, uh, compared to Ocon. Uh, but you know, Ocon also has a podium this year. So, so I, I think they're starting to right course the ship. It's, it feels like, I think, like you mentioned, having Mattia on board would, would even, you know, help them get some more, uh, structure and, and potentially, you know, be, be in swinging mode for, for next year. So really good stuff from Gasly. Uh, again, you know, have, uh, Alonzo on there, Liam, and then my favorite person best behind Lewis Hamilton and, and Toto Wolf is Alex Albon. Yeah. Um, you know, consistently just putting it in points position with a car that isn't, I guess not, it's not terrible, but it definitely isn't a front running car. Um, they've made massive strides with, uh, w- with their development. And I think he's the right one to, to show it all off. Uh, I believe he's met with pretty much all the grid uh, 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 team leaders in the past like two or three weeks. And so his future is bright. I am incredibly excited to see where this man will land. Um, and if he lands in a place like like we, we talked about earlier at Aston Martin uh, or, or you know, even, yeah, I guess Aston Martin, I think it would be the place where I'd see him do his best work just because McLaren, those two seats are pretty much locked down. I don't want Ferrari to, to get anywhere near this person and ruin his career. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think Alex just put in a great race, you know, it, it in contrast to, uh, to Logan, uh, which probably makes us a little bit of a smooth transition to our losers of the week. Uh, I'm going to go ahead first, Chris, and say, you know, Logan is, is, um, not only my loser, but we'll, we'll get to this later also on my hot seat, you know, seeing his kind of at times peaks in performance that, 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 that he, you know, we really want to lean into and, and encourage, but then kind of just the pitfalls that he keeps going into. I know this week it was a hydraulics issue with his car uh, and he seemed incredibly distraught afterwards, just spending the entire time off track um, and just with his head down and his helmet down, uh, you know, shades of Leclerc, essentially. So uh, I- I'm going to I'm going to kick off our losers with with uh, Logan Sargent, uh, Zhou Guan Yu. Uh, I didn't want to put him in the loser spot this week. I definitely think he had an incredible race. I think. Uh, Alfa Romeo, essentially, you know, their uh, their pit stop strategy uh later in the in the race kind of got him into a, a a mucky situation and then with him running off track there really wasn't no uh 
way to to recover from that. Um, I'm gonna put Charles Leclerc in there. I feel like this is a probably my sixth or seventh week putting this man in the loser seat. Uh, and then K Mag, I, I definitely am disappointed with how K Mag has been performing this year, especially compared to Nico. I know they both just signed contract extensions, which I'm gonna have you give your thoughts on Chris because uh, I, I, I it completely goes over my head. Um, so I guess let's start there, Chris. What are your thoughts on the Haas drivers both re-up their contract with Haas? Do you think they made a mistake? Do you think Haas made a mistake? Uh, or do you think that this is just the only option that they realistically had? Uh, honestly, like, I was shocked at the same time like you. Like, it doesn't compute for me. And I think I've maybe talked about this a little bit before. But I think the only thing that Haas cares about is drivers who don't crash their cars. I think that as long as they don't spend too much money, that that's all they really care about. It doesn't Fair seem point. it really doesn't seem like they have an incentive to try to win or to try to improve. We don't really like we're seeing like Al Albon and James Vowles like push Williams forward. We're seeing Crack and like Alonzo and Stroll like push Aston Martin forward. We never hear about like upgrades of the Haas and strategy from the Haas. I think I think they're just kind of there. And uh, I think, you know, K-Mag and uh, Hulkenberg are just, like, easy. Like, And I think that's ultimately, like, they don't want to yeah. bring a rookie in. They don't have the budget and the money to get a superstar. So, like, what are their options? And I think it was just sort of like, these guys are going to take the cars, get them around the track, maybe occasionally get some points, and that's all we need. So, like, yeah. I'm not too shocked, but at the same time, it's sort of like, this is the pinnacle of motorsport, like either be there or don't. And it's kind of hard to like see, but you know, maybe, maybe they'll finally sell out to Audretti or something like that. And we'll get a shakeup. But yeah, it was just a little baffling to me, but also kind of expected at the same time. It almost makes me feel bad that Alfa Romeo is the one that's getting bought out in that house. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I don't think Gene wants to sell because I think he, it's profitable for him. And I mean, how else a, is he going to wash his money? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Chris, who you got for your losers this week? Yeah, I mean, like we talked about it already, but McLaren and Mercedes, like these guys had a uh what a P2 and P3 in quality uh with uh Lando and George and just completely, you know, shit the bed, honestly. Like they their tire strategy, their strategy with the rain, the decisions that they made, like this this tire strategy with Russell that makes zero sense, like going and two extra laps on soft compared to anybody else, then throwing the inters on, then going back to sauce for six laps and then hards for like 40 something laps. Like I have no idea what their thought process was with George. Um, as much as like, I don't want him to make podiums like the, you know, I want Mercedes to succeed. I want Lewis to be back in a championship winning car. And so their team definitely needs to button up a little bit. Um, and with their strategy department, we talked a little bit before the podcast about how they've had such a good performing car for so long. They haven't had to really have a strategy department because, you know, Lewis can start P18 and just in his Brazil performance in 2021, when he like came for the back of the grid. Amazing. Then, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. amazing. And, but like that, they don't have that car anymore. So when it comes to making amazing strategy decisions, they just don't have that at the moment. So that needs to change. So I think McLaren, Mercedes, both lost out on potential podiums today. And um, it was just there. And then 
my last loser will just be, you know, Danny. Like, I feel so bad for the guy. Like, when's the last time we've had a broken bone in Formula One? And his accident was fairly, like, minimal from a, a car crash standpoint. You know, you have guys like Gojon Yu, like, upside down, flipping over barriers. Um, and then, you know, you have Danny, Roman Grosjean walking out of fire, walking out of fire, like Alonzo, like getting airborne and flipping like, yeah. and then, you know, bless his heart, Ricardo, the nicest guy on the track, you know, sees Oscar Piastri and makes the decision to just, you know, choose to put his car in the wall instead of T-boning Oscar and potentially hurting or killing him. And so, uh, and, you know, just held on the wheel too long and his, you know, threw his hand into the side of the side of the car and, you know, that's that. But so I just feel bad for the guy. He, you know, just got his smile back. And then you see this picture with him in the cast and he's not smiling that much. And you're like, ah, I feel bad for the guy. But um, it's just really unfortunate for him. But yeah, McLaren, Mercedes, they need to get better. Yeah. And then who who do you got in your hot seat this week? It's Lance. Lance, uh, the disparity between Alonzo and him is just really starting to show. Um, and I think Alonzo like proved again that their car is good enough. Uh, if you have someone capable behind the wheel, I know we felt like maybe they lost a little bit of that and McLaren was outshining them, but you know, the experience behind the wheel of the car showed that you can get a podium again. And I, I just don't like Lance's nowhereville. He's not getting any points. Aston could be doing so much better. So I hope he does take out Dennis. I hope so too. You know, maybe he's a really good tennis player and he's like the phenom that we just, that this generation needs. Right. Um, yeah, my hot seat again, I have Logan Sargent, um, you know, rookie season, but we've seen both ends of the spectrum of the rookies this, this year in, in Nick DeVries and in Oscar Piastri, um, and Sargent, I think is leaning, you know, in the, he was in the middle for the longest time. And then I think with Liam coming in and showing up, it really has pushed Logan closer to the Nick DeVries end of the spectrum, uh, than it did, you know, uh, the, the, um, the, the Liam Lawson side of things and the Oscar Piastri side. So I think he'll probably get one more racing season because uh, I don't think Williams is as shrewd as, as Red Bull is uh, with their driver pairings and, 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 and kicking people out. Uh, but I think he will have to make an incredible uh, improvement consistently over the next last half of this season, going into next season for Williams to offer him a multi-year contract. I think he might get a one-year extension. And then after that, you know, if he's still performing the way he is, might go to Haas, who knows? Um, but 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 right now, yeah, I, I have Logan Sargent on the on the hot seat. Uh, I really do think he needs to pull up his improve or pull up his improvement. He really needs to pull up his uh performance to to at least somewhat meet uh uh the the standards of Oscar Piastri, uh, or at least you know get a couple of positions behind Albon, not so far away that. You know, it just doesn't justify him being a D2 driver. So, yeah, Logan Sargent on my hot seat this week. Yeah, I agree. Like, the guy's been in a position a couple times to potentially get points and just can't seem to put it together. And like you said, I think like he obviously had an issue with his car, according to James Vowles and team uh, that led to the crash. Um, But, you know, like obviously things keep happening and he hasn't scored a point. And I think that he either is going to perform 
like you said, I think he's going to get another season, but he'll need to perform and, and at least put a point on the board either before the end of the season or within the first half of next season where he's definitely going to be like on that out the door. Um, especially, if Al- especially if Alvin keeps showing that the car is worthy. And if you're not improving, like you're an F1, you have to, you have to show improvement. Otherwise there's other people that need that seat. So, yeah. So let's uh, talk about our predictions uh, for next race. Uh, it's going to be in Monza. Who do you got? Uh, well, I want to see history get made. I want to see 10. I want to see Max go as far as he can go. So I'm going to have Max on the podium. I just think he's unstoppable unless his car blows up or something random happens. He's going to be on the podium. And I think, uh, you know, if, if there's a dry track, I think uh, McLaren will continue showing their performance upgrades to get there. I'm going to put Lando on the podium. And uh, just because I want to see Charles smile at their home race. And I think that if poor bastard, if poor bastard, I think Ferrari, if they get the strategy right and they get the car right and the setup and all that, that, that they can make the podium. So I'm going to have Max Lando and Charles. That's ambitious for you, for, for Charles. And, I, <laughs> and I'm happy for you for that. Yep. Um, I got, you know, I got Max an NP1. Don't really need to explain myself there. Uh, I have Alonzo in, in P2. I think he'll make another um, fight for, for the front podium. And then, yeah, and then I, I'm actually going to round it out, like like you said, with, with Lando Norris. I think, um, you know, there's a, a stopgap between their last really great performance uh, and then their next one. And I think that next one's going to come up in, in Monza, uh, you know, assuming that the track conditions are all right um so yeah I, I think you know it'll be a fun race uh i would love to be proven wrong and see mercedes you know get in get in there for a p3 or a p2 even uh but you know my hopes are low right now uh i'd rather just kind of be surprised later than than get my expectations up and, and get my heart broken well i definitely think that your predictions are in the realm of more realism than than hopeful like mine are so uh yeah. <laughs> def- definitely i definitely could see that happening and uh Let's just hope that if uh, if Norris gets on the podium with Max, he doesn't break his uh, trophy again. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, good thing we're not degenerate gamblers, or we'd be going to the books every week with this yep. shit. Yeah. Um, cool, Chris. Well, do you have a uh, anything you want to plug before we we hop out of here? Yeah, I mean, uh, just want to take this time to like thank everybody, thank our listeners, like Cheyenne and I. Really, we started this out of like a pure love for the sport, and uh, we want to keep it going as as long as possible. And you know, if you love listening to us as much as we love doing this and we'd love to like you know have you guys follow so give us a like uh give us a review and uh, you know if you have any feedback for us like let us know we want to get the conversation going with our fans like that's why we started this to connect with more fans and love for the sport and grow the conversation so you know send us a note you guys reach us on like any platform your choice comment on it or you know just send send an email to fanteamradio at gmail.com uh, but yeah, let's get the conversation going. Yeah, absolutely. We want to get a dialogue going with everyone out there. Let us know what we're saying right. Let us know what we're saying wrong. We you know we're all, we're both of us are still learning and incredibly excited to be learning uh, a sport that that uh, that we start we you know we fell in love with almost over the past five years. Um, so we'll be here again next week for Monza. Uh, I'm excited. You know, hopefully the weather won't delay. Uh, the race as much <laughs> as it did this week uh, but even if it did I'll stick around to watch it 100% alright everyone see y'all next week bye